0: unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible-carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in.
1: All
0: right, Jake, well, here we are to record an episode of Same Old Song, the preaching uh, podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. This time you're coming at me from the Catskill Mountains, uh, you're looking dewy. You're looking
1: refreshed.
0: How's it feeling over there?
1: You know, it's nothing like fresh mountain air and um, and farm-to-table food to get you ready uh, for the next year. So, yeah, we're up in the Catskill Mountains at this place called Twilight Park um, near um, Haynes Falls. There's like about a about a um, hundred people that live here, and so um, and it's just kind of good to get out of the city. <laughs> and uh, my kids get to figure out what grass is. So... <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not the kind they can buy at the quarter of Sixteenth and uh, second.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, but no, um, no, nature's good. There's actually, we saw a bear the other day and some deer. So uh, stay tuned to my Instagram page, mm-hmm. Rev Jake, Jacob, and... <laughs> and we'll go from there. So I don't even... <laughs> is it Reb Jake Jacob? No, it's or Reb, Reb Jacob. Jacob. Which, I don't even... Which that's one is Reb it? Jacob. I'm kind of okay. lame at that stuff. But anyway... Speaking of,
0: of Instagram, there's a guy uh, who's... He, he kept hearing this term influencer. I think he lives in Austin or something. And he asked his daughter what it was. And she kind of explained what an influencer does. He's like, Ugh, I could do that. And he's a construction worker. So he created this... Uh, handle just a construction guy and it blew up it's so it's like him just like in his in his clothes for work like wearing his reflective vest and whatever and his hard hat and he so he'll hold his like morning coffee kind of artfully and take a selfie and post it and he'll (laughs) just a picture of his truck like in the morning light and It's just pretty awesome, and it's got you know hundreds of thousands of followers like overnight. That's incredible. uh, Poking fun at the whole thing. So see, Jake, you could be good at it. I just I want you to know.
1: I Yeah, I could. I could. I love Instagram though. I mean, um, I don't follow really people. I follow more of these like groups. You know what I mean? So I mean, and there's one called yeah. There's one called Look at these Russians. And uh, it is really good. I, I encourage, I don't <laughs> encourage anybody to look at it, but if you're going to look at something on Instagram, look at look at those Russians. The tagline is, um, Russia is to the world what Florida is to the United States. And it's just... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it Russian listeners.
0: <laughs> anybody? But it's anybody just... Anybody in the former everybody Soviet Union.
1: Every Russian I know loves it. and But they're always saying, those aren't Russians, those are Ukrainians. <laughs> and it's just really... <laughs> Oh. Somebody was once like, that guy's uh, obviously... Somebody was like, obviously, there's like, that guy's obviously from Belarus. <laughs> <was> like, <laughs> so oh. um, <laughs> Well, yeah, we're just, a, we, just leaving no
0: former Soviet Republic unturned in our wake, which just, uh, is just a <laughs> shock
1: and awe campaign here.
0: All right, let's move on to the Bible. Clearly,
1: they're Estonian, so... <laughs> <laughs> So, um, oh, my gosh. But, uh, yeah, so we're in the middle of the summer and uh, in ordinary time here. And um, we are uh, doing tra- the track one that specifically kind of takes us through um, the history of Israel. And so we saw a little bit about Elijah and Elisha. And uh, now we jump into uh, the prophet Amos and because uh, he kind of takes place in real time. Um, during the King uh, Jeroboam and during the just the uh, deplorable period in the history of Israel's history. And uh, he was a prophet to the northern kingdom and, um, and preached repentance, which um, didn't go over well. And preaching repentance and the forgiveness of sins never goes over well, usually, except for those who know they need it. Um, you know, I always want to remind people well, there there we go. I just I think that that's the key thing um, that gets uh, Amos in trouble with the northern kingdom is um, is uh, he's preaching repentance and forgiveness.
0: Uh, well, I think you may have to tell folks what a plumb line is. Um, mm. and I think this is uh, I mean, I think this is a very effective kind of preaching point here. So a plumb line is a string and at the end there is a weight. And you would use it in construction to make sure that the wall you were building would be straight. Uh, Mm Because if you just kind of eyeball it, it'll tend to get a little crooked if you're laying the bricks. And, uh, you know, the first row is good, but the second row is a little bit off. And the third row is a little bit more off. And pretty soon you have the the leaning tower of Mm. Bethel. And Mm -hmm. um, so the plumb line, you hang it, you hold it up on a ladder you hang it down and give you a straight line and then you can mark where the line is and you can build a straight wall so the Lord standing behind a, beside a wall with a plumb line is basically and here God is handing that is, is the construction worker uh apropos to the Instagram account we mentioned at the beginning God mm-hmm. is hand hanging hanging the plumb line in the midst of the people Israel so the idea is here that everybody is sort of everybody's off plumb everybody is not living right everybody mm-hmm. is a little bit skewed and a little bit bent, and so it may look fine until you hang the plumb line, and that's the kind of thing when you're, you may be, you've probably experienced this when you're hanging a picture on your wall, and you think it looks straight, but then you put the level up to it, and you see that it's not actually level, and so when God puts the plumb line on his people, it's sort of a reckoning, and and so this is the work of the law. The law is to kind of come in and, and show you where you are off, and um, and any effective preaching of the gospel is always going to begin with um, some sort of laying out of the human condition, explaining the ways in which we all fall short and are bent uh, like the people of Israel. And so um, I think uh, it's it can be very, um, I think, effective if, if you preachers want to talk about what would it look like in your life if a plumb line, if God, you know, drop the plumb line in Mm. the middle of your life and your community and your family, and and what would that look like? And you can do that with a soft touch. Um, You can do that with a little bit of humor, Uh, but uh, that helps the medicine go down. But I think, um, yeah, this message of, um, you know, God's law and how we measure up or usually don't measure up is, is kind of where we begin.
1: That's right, and um, and I think it's um, it's very powerful here that specifically the word of judgment is delivered specifically against King Jeroboam and his house, uh, because the king was the representative of the people, and um, and so um, uh, yeah, I, I think you know there's all sorts of ways you can tie this in humorously And here, like you know if you want to use a, a a self-deprecating illustration how you don't measure up. This is a great place to do it. Um, but uh, what happens typically, and um, you know, and if you don't add a spoonful of sugar to this medicine, um, then uh, the, 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 the parish and everybody else becomes like Amaziah, who says, O seer, go flee to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel. For it is the king's sanctuary, and it is a temple of the kingdom. You know, when you come like directly at people with the law, the reaction is this: uh, you know, we're not that bad. Why don't you go on and get out of here? Just think about everybody you've come at heavy-handed with the law. Um, they usually turn and go the other way. You're not friends with them. Um, I've, i found this actually in pastoral experiences. Most people want, if they want me to tell, if they want me to tell them what to do or they want me to like really lay it out for them, it's because they want to go the other way. They want me to drop a word of judgment so that they can say, oh, Jake was always judging me. You know what I mean? So I think it's really important as you're preaching this and you're talking about the plumb line that you add a lot of sugar, uh, because um, if you don't, you will have um, your congregation be like Amaziah the priest.
0: Yep. or you'll be like the kids at Camp Hope in the (laughs) <laughs> Late '80s, early '90s uh, breakout movie for Ben Stiller, Heavyweights, about uh, uh, a group of kids that movie. get sent to fat camp in, um, yeah. in by their parents. So this, and it's actually it's written uh, by Judd Apatow and um, has a lot of people that uh, later will be, work in his films. But in this movie, all these kids are sent by their well-meaning parents to a summer camp to lose weight. It's called Camp Hope, and. Uh, the first thing they do in the cabin is they unload all the candy and uh, snacks and salamis that they've secretly smuggled into the camp. And there's all these hiding places that they've actually built into the cabin. So every summer, year after year, because they always come back, um, they can hide all their uh, all their stuff. So it's it's um, it's just one of those uh, over and over again. This movie it's not that great, but it is sort of funny. It's got Ben Stiller and uh, his dad and. Anyways, it's like Zoolander it's, for kids. But if yeah, you it's an amazing, see it, it's it's, an amazing it's, there's all these kids who are who are um, reacting directly against the law.
1: That's right. It's an amazing movie if you're nine years old, and um, but it is a perfect illustration. I think it fits Amos chapter seven. <laughs> but the powerful the powerful thing here is, is that the end of Amos, um, you know, Amazigh, um, Amos says to Amazai, he says, I'm no prophet nor prophet's son, but I'm a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore trees. So, like, what the heck is going on right here? This is, um, uh, you know, this is a very, are you a prophet or are you not a prophet? And uh, the point here is is that God's word always comes to us out of foolish things. Um, you know, um, even though he was a herdsman and, uh, you know, a dresser of sycamore, this is the low man on the totem pole here. And um, it is out of weakness that God d- delivers his powerful word. And... Um, and uh, this ultimately finds its fulfillment in Jesus. You know, uh, Jesus is the one, the ultimate plumb line who makes us straight and um, and straightens us all out by His grace and mercy. And out of that that weakness, that's the Messiah. Um, that's just the son of a uh, son of Joseph or the son of Mary. You know, um, um, it's out of that word that we hear you're forgiven, and we hear that you're redeemed, and we hear the grace of God in full effect. Yeah, and. Uh, if you have
0: parishioners, I feel like there's one thing uh, just to say here about the end of this passage, because it does end on sort of a sledgehammer to the skull sort of word of judgment. I mean, it's just very hardcore in verse 17. Therefore, thus says the Lord, your wife shall become a prostitute in the city, and your sons and daughters shall fall by the sword, and your land shall be parceled out by line. You yourself shall die in unclean land, and Israel shall surely go into exile away from its land. This is a description of what happens when your nation mm. is um, ravaged by war, your economy falls apart, and um, and you are sent into exile. This is Germany after World War II. Yeah, um, that's right. And World War One. Um, any place that has just been decimated by an invading power. Syria, Iraq. <laughs> yeah, it's happening in Syria now. Yeah, all these places that get devastated by war. This is what it looks like. And so... Um, this is uh, God telling the people, look, living in this land that you have, this land of Israel, uh, is dependent on your faithfulness to me. You have not been faithful to me, uh, and what ex- and so you'll be exiled. And what exile looks like is this, um, and what war looks like is this, and what being invaded by a foreign power looks like this. So that's what that's about. This is the setting of that passage. If anybody wants, you know, after the sermon, if I mean, I wouldn't necessarily recommend preaching on verse 17, mm. but if somebody uh, in your congregation wants to know kind of what's going on, that's that's the background <laughs> to that. And this is, in a sense, merciful, I mean, that God is sending someone to mm. warn the nation of Israel to, and to warn his people. Um, uh, God never strikes sort of out of the blue, it's just nobody ever really wants mm. to hear it. And if basically, this is an intervention. This is what happens when you have an addict and the loved ones and family members get around and say, this is what you've done these are the impacts of your actions and if you don't go to rehab today like I will you know I will no longer be in a relationship with you and there's the idea is to help get people to wake up Mm -hmm. and that's what God is doing here with Amos and he's he's sending someone to give a message and say if you don't straighten up and fly right this is this is what your life is yeah, going to look like
1: that's powerful that's good
0: please wake up please turn around please as you say repent and return to the lord and it's not repentance because you're a bad person mm. or it's not like a, it's not like a shaming kind of thing it's just like you come back to the source of life and truth and come back to god and uh, otherwise this is what it looks like so this is just God God mm. loves us enough to be honest, even when we don't want to hear it, um, and it's merciful in this case, but uh, people still don't want to hear it, obviously, until they're given the ears to hear. So that's, I mean, that's that's Amos, That's that it, it's kind of uh, hardcore. Sometimes people, and i and probably say this to you too, Jake, will say to me, How, you know, have you bugged my house? How are you preaching something that connects so, so specifically to my life? Or you were talking straight to me. And if you do preach on this, I mean, the idea of a plumb line and uh, looking at your life up against kind of God's law or looking at your life in a mirror, um, uh, can, can people can feel convicted. People can feel personally addressed and in a good way, in a helpful way, if, if not necessarily easy way. Um, but just to make sure that you remind people what the end of the story is, because Israel does not clean up its act. Ultimately, the people do go into exile. But that was, but that's not the end, because nobody was ever able to carry the weight of the law by themselves. Ultimately, God has to send Jesus Christ, uh, the perfect prophet, the perfect priest, the perfect king, to take, uh, to fulfill the law that we can never fulfill, and to restore us not to a kingdom, an earthly kingdom, but to a heavenly one, um, not to Israel here on earth, but the new Israel. Um, so, just make sure you end with Jesus. That's all I want to say about that.
1: Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> Any time, Jake. Let's um, Here, take end it, it the into sermon. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> For our listeners, if they're wondering what's going on, so, Jake, um, Jake Even though is, nobody's preaching on Amos, let's— Jake, we said he's in the
0: Catskills, <laughs> but actually he's in on Mars, and it's about three— Thirty-second delay because he's you know thirty thousand miles away or whatever. So uh, yeah. yeah, there's a little bit of a delay in the call. The Catskills are still working on getting their Wi-Fi up to up to speed. Yeah. So Colossians. <laughs> let's do Saint Paul. We begin now the book of Colossians. This this letter to the to Colossae, uh, where we hear from Saint Paul who's sitting there with Timothy <laughs> writing to the Colossians, and uh, just the opening of the letter. So you have a lot of the stuff that's very typical of a, a letter in the first century. You tell who's writing it, you say who you're writing to, uh, you say what's up, and uh, then you kind of say nice things about them for a while. And you, you talk, so here he does that, your faith in Christ. And um, if I if I were uh, going to preach here, I, I think uh, one of the things that I would really hit on is... Um, the just like what you have said, Jake, about Amos, the, the message, and this is at the end of this passage, verse thirteen and fourteen, God has rescued us from the power of darkness yeah. and transferred us to the kingdom of His Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So there's so much talk about the gospel as being uh, some sort of message of come follow Jesus. It's the way of love. So we need, and most people hear that as we need to go out there and love other people, which is true. But it begins primarily with God's love for us, which is expressed most clearly in his forgiveness of our sins and the work of Jesus Christ. So that's all I want to say about that. Mm. What what else would you add to that, Jake?
1: Well, I mean, I would add exactly that. I I mean, I think you see right here at the beginning of every one of um, Paul's epistles, except for Galatians, where they've messed up so bad on the doctrine of justification. Um, Paul always begins by encouraging people. And I think that's something missing big time in the church. You know, um, oftentimes you hear about how we need to get out and do more. Like, we need to stand for justice more. You know, we need to do this more. You need to have more quiet times. And pastorally, this is not how Paul operates, unless you have forgotten uh, that you are justified by grace alone. And so Colossae was one of these interesting places where... um, you know, there was all sorts of it was like a city with a lot of um, religion and a lot of stuff passing through it. And, um, and uh, St. Paul begins by like just basically thanking God for these people. And, uh, you know, we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and for the love that you have for all the saints and for the hope laid up for you in heaven. Um, and this is just so he brings by giving them an encouraging word, and really, man, that's what a lot of people need. Um, a lot of people, even Christians, are bearing a lot of heavy burdens, and you know they're they're being weighed down by the culture of life. And to lift that up, and just to say, man, I am so proud of you. You know, mm. you're 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 doing a great job. Um, that impute imputation is a very powerful thing, and that's what we see happening here. And then he begins to um, give them um, a description of this Jesus who um, has set the plumb line straight and why he can say that. Not because they've got it necessarily together, but because Jesus has it together for us. And Mm -hmm. absolutely right. The big thing is, is that he has rescued us from the power of darkness. That's past tense, everybody, and transferred us past tense, into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so Paul can speak a positive word to these people, not necessarily because they deserve a positive word, but because Christ has given them a positive word, which is himself and his righteousness.
0: Yeah, Uh, and and the whole prayer that Paul gives for for these folks is, is all about what God will do in them, this image over and over about uh, fruitfulness and how fruit, Mm. um, will be in their lives. And, uh, as you bear fruit in every good work. And he says it in verse 10, he says it in verse six, this idea of bearing fruit. And, uh, I think I've mentioned it before, but, uh, Nadia weber talks about how much Christian life is people taping fruit to the tree, Mm, uh, trying to, trying to look fruitful. Um, but the whole idea of fruit is that it comes naturally from within. The tree doesn't have to strain to produce fruit or fake producing fruit. It just comes naturally. And so this is why Paul, uh, he says, um, it is bearing fruit in the world. It's bearing fruit in you. And I'm praying that as you bear fruit and, you know, may you may be made strong and may you be filled with the knowledge of God's will. It's, he's asking God to do the work in these people. Um, That's right. He's not telling them to do it, tape more fruit to your trees. He's saying, may God do this work in you. And again, because as you said, it's it, this is all in an attitude of joyful thanksgiving, uh, because God has done this. God has enabled us to share in the inheritance of the saints, and God has rescued yeah. us and has transferred us and all of that.
1: Whenever, whenever you're hitting St. Paul, especially in the early parts of his epistles, remember description, not Prescription. And, um, and, uh, and that's because, you know, um, this is a perfect segue right into the gospel reading, where the la- a lawyer approaches Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, the the very opening of this question, this is from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. I mean, the very very premise of this question is flawed because you don't do anything to inherit something. Inheritance is given to you and uh, the fruit is given to you because the spirit has been given to you because the gospel has been given to you. And so eternal life is a gift given. It's not um, it's um, so what must I do to inherit eternal life? Nothing, because um, inheritance is given.
0: Yeah, and uh, so the, the teacher begins with the law, essentially. He begins thinking that he, he wants to get approval from Jesus, he wants to look like the smartest kid in class, and um, and he wants to look sort of pious, so, you know, what what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? So he, he assumes that Jesus is operating on the principle of law of, of rewards and punishments, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he thinks he'll look really good by asking this question, really pious, uh, which is what people who live under the law, that's what they want to do. Look good and look pious. And whether it's the law of being an Instagram influencer, whether it's the law of being a good Christian, whether it's the law of being, um, a good secular person in New York city or whatever it is, everybody's like, what do I need to do to be, to be good enough? As uh, Reese Witherspoon said on the latest episode of big little lies, everybody in this town is about being better, stronger and first. And, uh, that's what a lot of people live. So this is, yeah, he wants to know, what do I need to do? How many times do I need to go to CrossFit? Mm. How many times do I need to, um, uh, uh you know, engage in, uh, uh intermittent fasting and, uh, and, and, a cleanse? How, how many times do I need to, um, uh, um, Read the latest book on becoming a better person. How many TED talks do you mm-hmm. need to watch? All these sorts of things. And and Jesus, interestingly, in very typical Jesus fashion, uh, um, answers his question with another question, mm. and uh, and kind of turns, throws the ball back into his court, and and kind of calls the guy out because the guy obviously he's he's a lawyer, which means he's a he's a Jewish lawyer. He's a, he's an expert in the Torah. He's an expert in the law, and so he should know. And and Jesus kind of calls him out that he's that he's just asking this question as a form of posturing, not because he doesn't actually know. And the guy answers correctly. Uh, yeah, l- love the Lord your God with all <clears> your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus is like, good good luck and gives him that thumbs up kind of winking Jesus emoji. Yeah. just, yeah, just do, do, that. do all
1: this and you will live. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and right. if, and if you do it all, you will live, but the problem yeah. is, is, no one has done it. Yeah. So, and
0: so, yeah. And so the guy's left sort of stammering like, Oh yeah. Uh, Cause he'd just been revealed to be the guy who was asking the question to which he already knew the answer. And so he looks sort of like a fool. And well, so, and Jesus then, so then, and this then, is why
1: yeah. he, this is why he says, Luke says in wanting to justify himself, he asks, well then who's my neighbor? You know, um, um, like where's the limit? You know, uh, this is kind of the question a lot of teenage boys always ask, how far is too far? You yeah. know, um, this, is, uh, this, is, this is the kind of question. And uh, Jesus replies um, with this very, very powerful parable, which we all know, the parable of the Good Samaritan. We have hospitals named after it. We have, um, you know, um, the, the whole, if you do a good deed, you're a good Samaritan kind of, uh, it's really shaped our culture, but it's, a, it's been misunderstood and it's been interpreted in the sense of the law. And so, um, but you have this very, and remember parables are, um, earthly illustrations of heavenly truths. So what Jesus here is doing is, is giving us an illustration of the gospel using an earthly example. And so he talks about this man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and I've I've actually walked part of that trail, and, um... It is, I mean, you could imagine back in those days, this is a place where thieves would hang out. This is a place where, um, I mean, there are like wild animals still down there and um, it's a wild place. And um, and so this is the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah, it's a
0: really curvy road and there's yeah. a lot of hills on either side of you. So you can't really see what's coming up around the bend. Uh, you can't get a sort of the lay of the land. And so, yeah, it's a place. There's a lot of opportunities to ambush somebody as you're on this road.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, and today you'll be ambushed by Bedouins trying to sell you three-dollar sunglasses at twenty dollars a pop. And so, but this is um. And, right. uh, but th- this is beside the point. And so, Just anyway, but make this a man is is uh, stripped and beaten and uh, left for dead. And um, and now Jesus, really, I mean just pushes the bruise on the lawyer. And why does he push the bruise? Because the first two examples are the epitome of um, Jewish piety.
0: Right. So, you know, this is the Jewish lawyer, a lawyer of of Jewish law, kind of, which, again, we think lawyer when we think somebody in a double-breasted Armani suit in a, um, I think, Jim Carrey and Liar Liar or something like that. Um, and this is this is not a secular lawyer. This is an expert again in religious law. This is a religious figure. So the first person that comes by is a priest. So yes, clearly a religious figure. And the next person is a Levite, meaning a member of the tribe of Levi, and and again another uh, religious figure. Um, this is sort of the, the 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 pastor and the deacon walking by or something like that. Mm. And yeah. uh, again, because the question is, who is my neighbor? Who to whom do I have to um, Be kind. Who do I have to love uh, like I love myself? Who do I have to be nice to? Uh, and so that's the question. And so this guy gets beaten, and the first person, the priest, does nothing for him. Actually crosses yeah. on the other side, so he doesn't – this is when you see somebody in the aisle at the grocery store that you don't want to talk to, and so – you quickly leave that aisle, so you don't even have to make eye contact that would then force a social interaction, so you decide to get come back later for your English muffins. So he crosses to the other side. Yeah, go ahead. I
1: get it, too. I, do, I get it, too. I do it all the time. There's like one particular crazy homeless man yeah. on, um, on 21st Street between Park and Broadway, and every time I see him, I like want to go on the other side because he wants to talk to me, and and it usually ends with asking for five bucks, and uh, you know I this is this is and you know and he's dirty and you don't want to be there's all sorts of cleanliness laws here going on, so uh, there is there is a profound like you can find the commentary on why all of these guys cross the street and cross the road, but yeah. what they are doing is not out of the ordinary though that's the point in Jewish culture you know what yeah. they're they're not being jerks they are trying to. Uphold the law here on a very profound level. And so, um, but here all of a sudden, out of the blue comes this Samaritan. This Samaritan who, is, you've heard us say before, is an enemy of the Jews, total outsider, um, and he comes along and does something profound. He uh, picks the man up and pours, uh, pours uh, oil and wine on him and then throws him on his own animal and brought him to an inn to be taken care of. And the next day he pays for all of the bills. Yeah, and to pour oil and wine
0: again to to us that would be weird if your kids skinned their knee and they came into the house and you're like, let me pour some olive oil and wine on it. But again, back in the day, wine had antiseptic properties. Obviously, it has alcohol in it, mm-hmm. and they didn't they wouldn't have had rubbing alcohol. Alcohol, and then the oil is sort of this soothing kind of um, little anesthetic, just kind of calming yeah. thing. So th- and it so helps this stab, is, yeah, yeah. So this is kind of the first aid. He gives him first aid. He's not just like dumping. He's like to uh, imagine going to Olive Garden grabbing the bottle of olive oil and wine just pouring on somebody's head. That's not what's happening here. Um, he's, he's giving him first aid and ta- and kind of sparing no expense to, to, to take care of this guy. And um, and what's in again, if you want people to kind of get the shock of the passage, because Samaritan is a word, as you said, Jake, we associate it as with goodness. It's like a good thing. Oh, that person's a real good Samaritan. Um, in this passage, as it would have been originally heard, Instead of saying Samaritan for your congregation, just fill in the words of whatever mm-hmm. group of people they hate. Um, <laughs> and uh, that varies from context to context. But, you know, uh, shortly after 9-11, for example, this would be—so, uh, you know, a, a Muslim traveling came near mm-hmm. him and saw him and was moved with pity.
1: Um, a Red Sox fan. So, um, you know, are <laughs> from New York. So I, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. But the, But let me just, can we just get right to the, because we're running short on time, but let's just get right to the gist of this. If you preach that you are the Samaritan, you have come, and I've heard many, many a clergy do this, you have missed the mark completely. This is, you are not the Samaritan. And uh, the the zinger here is, is that you are the man in the ditch first. You are the person in the ditch who is helpless, lying alone. And the fact is, is that religion will not save you. Um, What you need is someone whom you would have never expected. What you need is a actually um, crucified Jewish rabbi to come and save you. This thing that no one would expect to save you from death and to uh, heal your wounds by his wounds. And uh, he not only pays all the bills, but... um, He showers you with all of the rewards of his victory, which is his grace and mercy. And you cannot go and do likewise until you realize that you're the person in the ditch. You cannot even, even comprehend what it is to be the Samaritan until you know what it is to be the one who has been saved.
0: That's right. And, you know, in choosing the Samaritan to be, so that, what's interesting is that the two Jewish figures, the Levite and the uh, a priest who walk by, you would think that they would see this Jewish man in the ditch, their fellow uh, member of Israel, and that they would say, oh, this is my neighbor. And so, that would be the expected answer maybe that this uh, uh, person who's questioning Jesus would get. Like, oh, the, the fellow, your fellow Jews are your neighbors, so treat them nicely. Um, mm. But in the story, the, the, the people that the lawyer would most identify with, don't do that. And so the one that he would think is an outsider, a lawbreaker, the Samaritan, is the one who chooses, doesn't say, is this man my neighbor? He, as Jesus says, he he was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hand of neighbors. He, he decided mm. to act this way. And so it, the, the fact is, Jesus chooses a lawbreaker and an outsider, someone who is unclean in every way, uh, to be the one who is the agent of mercy and healing. And mm. so there's a foreshadowing here because Jesus obviously is identified with lawbreakers. He becomes like one who has broken the law. He, he has the sin of the world put on him. He does hang out with all the unclean um, and chooses to identify with them. And so mm. this is pointing towards who Christ is as the one who, who is not so concerned with keeping his own hands clean that he and preserving his ritual purity that he'll stay on the other side of the road. He's one who gets into the mess and comes near to us because he's he's um, he, he comes he's so to save clean. us. Well, yeah, he's so, he's, fresh the one. And, he's so
1: fresh and so clean that he clean. can um, actually make what is dirty clean. And you know, it's it's Capon makes an interesting point in this parable. He says he says that you know, kind of talking about that. He says once you see yourself as the person in the ditch who needs to be saved by the Samaritan, then you can see uh, Jesus in the poor. You can see Jesus in the hungry. You can see Jesus in the prisoner. You begin mm-hmm. to finally see Jesus as, as the man in the ditch as well whom you're serving in the face of your neighbor. And uh, that is, um, but you cannot go and do likewise until you have the Samaritan question down of who who that actually is and who you are first.
0: Right, right. So Jesus is the one who chooses to be a merciful neighbor to us um, because we are the one in the ditch. So, well, I think that'll do it for this Sunday mm. uh, coming up for July 14th. Uh, uh, fifth Sunday after Pentecost and uh, Good Samaritan Sunday as, as God lays the plumb line into our midst and we find that we don't measure up um, we find that we have a Savior in Jesus Christ who rescues us uh, in Colossians and um, of course we have that same vision in Luke of one who comes, uh, comes to us who is not and actually is not as concerned with the plumb line as we are in keeping clean but rather in, mm. in mercy and, and rescue. Uh, thanks Jake we'll, uh, we'll God see bless you, you all. Uh, soon and uh, happy preaching
1: happy preaching everyone